I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a look at what an eviction meant for one family on California's margins. As the pandemic wanes after 15 months, there's great concern all over California about people losing their homes as they struggle financially and as some of the eviction moratoriums lapse. To see the hardship firsthand, reporter Lizzie Johnson and photographer Gabrielle Lurie spent time in the Central Valley earlier this year. They followed the Valenzuela family, and in particular, the Valenzuela's daughter, 10-year-old Brianna, in the days after county sheriff's deputies forcibly removed them from their home. Lizzie Johnson, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. It's been a little while. It's an amazing story. I think a lot of people are really concerned about evictions, and as this story demonstrates, how important a home is to the fabric of a family. But first, I want to ask you how you came onto the story. How did you spot it? How did you find it? Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of this year, I got really interested in the eviction moratorium. I had started learning that, you know, you hear the word moratorium and you assume that evictions just aren't happening. And that was really false. It turned out there were a lot of legal loopholes and certain paperwork that needed to happen to keep someone in their home and a lot of people were leaving their homes. So I talked to Gabrielle, who I do a lot of stories with, and asked her if she wanted to join me on this one, and she said yes. And I looked at eviction rates across the state and realized that they were the highest in the Central Valley, specifically in Fresno County. And from there, I reached out to the sheriff's department and asked if we might tag along as sheriff's deputies were doing evictions, and they said yes. So we saw a bunch of evictions over the course of two days and found the Valenzuelas. What does an eviction look like when you're with sheriff's deputies? It's more intense than you would think. So right now they have four deputies going out. They each have their own car. They roll up in front of the home. They walk up to the front door and they bang on the door saying, eviction, Fresno County Sheriff's Office. They all unholster their guns and hold them off to the side. And then when they go into the house, they have to clear the scene. So they're, you know, pointing the gun as they move from room to room to make sure that it's safe. And, um, yeah, the people that they're evicting aren't told when the deputies are coming. The deputies do that as a safety measure. They don't someone don't want someone to barricade themselves in their house. So, you know, they go at like 7, 8 a.m. and these people are just waking up for the day. They don't realize that the deputies are going to arrive and they're just utterly confused. It's a kind of chaotic, intense scene. And Fresno, I mean, people know that there's a lot of poverty in Fresno, and we've written about that before, but it's also a place where some people are moving because of re remote work. And as you write, the values uh, uh, for rents and, and for home sales are really going up. Was that another factor in some of the evictions in the Central Valley? Oh, absolutely. I mean, nationwide in the past five years, the only other city that has seen greater rent increases than Fresno is the city of Boise. So people who have lived there for a long time are really feeling that. It's a place where wages haven't kept up with the cost of housing. More and more people are moving there, especially during the pandemic when there was remote work. People wanted more space. And so the Valenzuelas, which is the family that I wrote about, their home ended up getting bought by a developer, and he said he plans to flip it. All right. So tell us about the Valenzuelas. Who are they? They're, they're struggling. They're sort of right on the edge. Yeah, so there's Danetta. She's the mom. 
Brian, who's the dad, and they have two kids, 14-year-old PJ and 10-year-old Brianna, who goes by Bree. Um, Donetta had congestive heart failure and was on dialysis. She was terminally ill and had been for a very long time. And so when the eviction happened, it wasn't just a matter of them being homeless. It was how it impacted Donetta's health and how the family would manage to stay together. And as you see in the story, it really just ripped them apart. There was no member left unscathed. All right. You write that they're both getting public assistance, but not a lot. And they fall behind on their rent. And then it's the the purchase of this home that that really pushes them over the edge. They, it sounds like, just couldn't afford to make their payments every month. Yeah, it was that. And, you know, I think that when you don't have much money, you try and exert control in the ways that you can. And so they didn't always make the wisest financial decisions. For example, Donetta was dying and she wanted to make every birthday and every holiday really special for the kids. So sometimes she would, you know, spend her money on presents for them and not make the full rent payment. It was just a really tough spot to be in because they didn't have much money and they were doing their best. And, you know, it's hard to live right on that line forever and not try and be human too. So as a reporter, um, and some people, you know, are not familiar with this, but you kind of ask them, can I be with you in this moment? And they, they allowed you to, to see their life as they were evicted and as they went off to a Motel 6. Yeah, the access that I had in this story was kind of crazy. Um, me and Gabrielle were there for everything. We were there when, you know, they went back to their house the day after they got evicted and had to break in to get a few things to eat. We were there when Brian and Donetta were fighting about where Brie was going to end up. We were there when the cops were talking to her. We were there when she found out the fate of her mom. And so at the beginning of every story like this, we just are really clear with our story subjects about what we want and the time and access that we need. And this family was very gracious with us in terms of giving us that. Okay, so Lizzie, paint the picture for us. Donetta, as you say, is extremely sick. She's been on hospice before. They lose their house. Where do they go? Uh, what what are they thinking as they decide what to do next? The first night after the eviction, they end up spending the night at Motel 6. They have to return a Blu-ray player that they had just bought to Walmart to afford that night. But every night after, it's a constant struggle. Where are they going to end up? Where are they going to sleep? They spend a few nights at the home of 14-year-old PJ's girlfriend. Um, Brian starts sleeping in a travel trailer in the back of his parents' house. And so as all of this is happening, the bigger question is looming of where are they going to be long-term? Where are they going to live? And Donetta floats this idea past of, you know, she wanted to go back to Alabama where her parents lived. And Brian didn't want to do that. But she saw no choice because she knew she was really sick and she couldn't afford to just keep living in motels and missing medical appointments. So that's where the family really started to split. Okay, let's talk about what happens to this family. But first, a quick break. We'll be right back after this on Fifth and Mission. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle reporter Lizzie Johnson. We're talking about the subject of evictions, and in particular, the trip by Lizzie Johnson and Gabrielle Lurie, photographer, down to the Central Valley, where they spent time with one family in the days after they were removed from their home. 
Lizzie, there's a scene where they come back from Motel 6 uh, back to the home, even though they've been removed, and they actually break in. What happens there? Yeah, so they go back to the house in Donetta. The mom is on oxygen, and she needs to plug her oxygen machine in. So they slide open the living room window and send Bree inside to go unlock the front door. And from there, they pour bowls of cereal, and they sit on the front porch and start trying to put together some semblance of a plan. Donetta is calling, you know, the Fresno County Courthouse, legal aid, uh, rural services, just trying to get any help that she can. And then she ends up calling the governor's office. It takes a while to get through to anyone. Um, And she asks the guy that she does eventually get a hold of, you know, I thought there was an eviction moratorium. Why are we getting evicted from our home? And the guy couldn't really give her an answer. And it was just one of those poignant moments of like, okay, even though there's a moratorium, people are still getting kicked out. It's only very cer- certain circumstances and, you know, certain paperwork you have to follow to actually get to stay in your home if you're being evicted right now. All right. Well, let's get, get into that a little bit. You spoke to some experts on this who said that, in general, people don't understand these moratoriums. They don't know what they need to do uh, or what's needed of them. And, and the Valenzuelas seem to fit into that, right? Yeah, I think what's really tricky about this, again, is if you're living on the edge, you don't have the privilege of being organized or having time to research things like eviction um, when you're just struggling to survive day to day. And so one thing that advocates have been very critical about in terms of the eviction moratorium is that filling out the paperwork in order to get a stay on an eviction order is similar to pulling a mortgage. You know, you have to get your landlord to fill out the paperwork You have to continue paying 25% of your rent. And again, if you're on the verge of losing your home and you're totally stressed out, that's just an amount of paperwork that you can't even fathom understanding or having the wherewithal to what, like take the bus to Kinko's to print out the paperwork, to fill out, to take the bus to the courthouse. It's just really hard. And certainly a caution for the, the weeks and months ahead. Lizzie, you spoke to the landlord as well, the new landlord. We mentioned that the home had been bought. It was, it's going to be flipped, the Fresno home. What did the landlord say? The landlord just explained that he was entirely within his rights to evict them. He said that the lease stipulated there were only a certain number of people that were supposed to be living on the property. And because Brianna's grandmother was also staying with them frequently, she liked to help take care of the kids while Donetta was at dialysis that they had violated the lease, and also that they hadn't properly upkept the home, and that that was also an evictable offense. And those are things that are not protected by the moratorium. So he said he was well within his rights to evict them, and that he plans to flip the house. If you look at that neighborhood, their home selling for $260,000, $275,000. So, Lizzie, this family, in the days and the weeks after this eviction, they seem to really be coming apart at the seams. They do. I mean... They're homeless. Brianna's trying to go to school. PJ's at his girlfriend's house. Donetta wants to go back to Alabama. Brian wants to stay in Fresno. They're arguing about where the kids are going to go. They just don't see a way to be together in the same place. And there are all of these competing needs. And on top of that, there's the stress of, okay, they've just been evicted. And also they need to go get their stuff out of the house and figure out what comes next. So Lizzie, this this drama of this family really comes to a head and you're there for it. What happens? Brianna is staying at her grandmother Sharon's house where her Brian is staying in the backyard in a travel trailer. And her mom pulls up 
with her maternal grandmother to take Brianna to Alabama. And from there, it all just, I mean, all the tension that had been building up over the past few weeks just totally explodes where Brian and Donetta are in the front yard yelling at each other over where Brianna is going to go. The police end up coming and they try and help figure out what decision is best for her. Brianna wants to stay with her dad. I mean, going to Alabama is this very abstract thing to her. She feels like she doesn't know her family there. Um, So eventually the police leave and they say that she can stay with her grandma, Sharon, until her parents come to a decision. But unfortunately, her mom leaves for Alabama the next day. And very soon after, she dies while waiting for dialysis in New Mexico. So if you you can imagine being a 10-year-old girl... You've just lost your home. Your family is split apart. You find out you have to repeat fourth grade, and then your mom dies. It is just totally gutting to Bree. She was just devastated because the last thing she told her mom was that she hated her, standing outside of her mom's truck as her mom was trying to take her to Alabama. So this is an eviction that will live with this family in these very indelible trauma scars for a very long time. And they still don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, they don't have stable housing. They're staying at this really cramped duplex where her grandmother, Sharon, lives. And again, they just, they don't know what they're going to do for housing. Wow. Well, it's a devastating story, Lizzie. Thanks for doing it. For readers, it is at sfchronicle.com. Lizzie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Lizzie Johnson, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.